Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Star's daily sports podcast. It is Wednesday, March 31st, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. We're talking Chiefs today as the free agent period continues. When we last spoke to beat writers Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, the Chiefs' biggest splashes had been the signings of offensive lineman Joe Tooney and Kyle Long. Since then, the Chiefs have added more linemen and lost one. We talk about the additions of defensive tackle Jaron Reed and center Austin Blythe, and remember the career of Tano Passigno, who signed with the Saints. We'll also discuss what the new 17-game regular season schedule means to the Chiefs and to the NFL. So let's get started talking Chiefs with Herbie and Sam. Well, hello, fellas. It's our weekly opportunity to talk Chiefs, and in free agency, the news never stops. The the player acquisition never stops. Unlike the draft, where you get, you know, five, six, seven, eight new players over a three day period, this one stretches out over I don't know how many, however many weeks it does, and just you've uh, you've got to continue to follow it and cover it and pay attention to it because you never know when when news is going to break. And the Chiefs have made some news this week with the addition of a couple of linemen. Of course, they, they opened free agency with the signings of, uh, of, of Joe Tooney and Kyle Long. They've added another offensive lineman in Austin Blythe, but also a defensive tackle in Jaron Reed. Let, let's start with Austin Blythe. Uh, Herbie, what's, what's his story? Um, what, what, uh, what's the expectation for him uh, in Chiefs uniform? I think, if anything, he's going to immediately compete for the starting job. Here's the deal. The Chiefs extended an offer to Austin Ryder to return. Uh, he was mulling that offer. He's also mulling offers around the league. Uh, but apparently the Chiefs decided to change direction because here we are two weeks into free agency. Uh, and when you compare the Chiefs' pace to the rest of the NFL, it's been kind of slow here in Kansas City. Uh, most other teams went through a splurge there, and all their beat riders are now actually getting – the opportunity to relax and shift focus to the to the draft, whereas McDowell and I are still focused on free agency because the Chiefs are one of the handful of teams who have yet to make all the moves they need to make before the draft. But with Blythe, you get a guy who spent the last four seasons with the Rams, uh, including the last three as a starter for the Rams. So you've got a starting quality center, and he's probably going to be first in line to compete there. Uh, What should help him with the Chiefs scheme, when you look at the Rams' offense under Sean McVay over the past few seasons, they were very pass-heavy. And so, you know, whether life grades out better as a blocking center over Austin Ryder, you know, according to some analytical sites, he does. But that's just not the Chiefs' forte. They needed someone there. And so he's probably going to get the first shot. All right, so it's all about you and Sam, right, and your workload. Uh, maybe, maybe we can we can talk to Brett Veach about uh, you know moving along a little bit in, in free agency. Um, hey, Blair, when you've got almost twenty million to spend, I mean, hurry up now. Yeah, so th- that's a that's another development too, isn't it, Herbie? That um, you know, when when the free agency period started, we weren't sure exactly what. The Chiefs had, um, you know, to what, what they had to spend, and Brett Veach doing what Brett Veach does. He created, um, you know, the, the, he has been able to work other contracts and create this space for uh, for the signings of free agents. So the Chiefs are in decent shape financially, aren't they? 
Oh, they're absolutely in decent shape financially. And then the key thing here is well, what Chiefs fans need to understand is behind the scenes, the Chiefs were actively involved in the chase for some of the premium free agents that signed elsewhere. Trent Williams, you know, they were in there. They were in that thing into the wee hours of the morning before Trent Williams decided to call Kyle Shanahan and said, hey, we're getting close here. You need to make a you know, you need to make the move. And the move was made. And Trent Williams decided to go ahead and resign with the 49ers. They were in it with Kawan. Kawan uh, Williams, the cornerback, who decided to go back to San Francisco. They were in it with Juju Smith-Schuster and, and a, a handful of other players. So they have been actively engaged in trying to sign guys, but they just haven't been able to seal the deal. So, Sam, if Austin Blythe does end up starting, that's there. There really is a almost a total makeover, isn't there, of of the Super Bowl offensive line. Yeah, Herbie and I were talking yesterday that there's still, I don't know if I'd call this likely, but there's at least a possibility that they start five new guys on the offensive line compared to what they had in the Super Bowl because I still think that the left tack, starting left tackles, not on this roster right now. Um, you've got Joe Tooney, you've got Austin Blythe. Um, I, I think Kyle Long wins the starting right guard job, and it's possible that Lucas Niang could beat out a Mike Rimmers at right tackle. Um, that's the one I don't think is likely, but uh, I, you know, it's it, there's the possibility that they have completely overhauled this offensive line, which let's face it, we all said should be their top priority. Brett Veach said it was going to be their top priority, uh, but the only way to make that happen is you still got to complete that move at left tackle. Right. So um, out there, uh, as of our time of recording, which is is uh, mid morning on on Wednesday. Um, Alejandro Villanueva and Russell Okun still out there, right, Herbie? Uh, for uh, do, do you think do you think either one of those guys is a possibility for the Chiefs? I think the longer this plays out, uh, you know, if you want a stopgap guy at left tackle, if you use the draft to, to select one of the, the the elite guys that are out there, and there's like four or five of them that could be in play at 31. But if if you want just that stopgap option on a one year deal. Absolutely. Bring in Villanueva, bring in Okun. But again, it's like it's, nothing has happened on that front yet. Uh, the other thing that could be at play is, you know, maybe we're going to see how Eric Fisher's injury continues on, how Mitchell Schwartz recovery process recovers on, you know, and, and it, so you, know, you could probably bring them back on the cheap at this point, um, but they still have to pass a physical. That's the key thing. You know, when you sign a free agent, they have to pass a physical. Uh, but yeah, you know, to your question, Blair, Probably in play, but, you know, we, we need some clarity will be uh, seen here once we get closer to the draft and into the draft. And listen, doesn't doesn't Laurent Duvenet Tardif still factor in as a uh, at right guard, Sam? I mean, he's he's um, we, we don't know exactly about him right now, but his intention is to return. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's definitely coming back in, in 2021. I just think that Kyle Long beats him out for that spot. Um, but, you know, if, if you're looking for spots that have clearly improved, the guard is it. Um, yeah, but also their depth. You know, I mean, they were starting a couple of guys last year that, you know, like Andrew Wiley and Nick Allegretti, that I don't see there's any way those guys are in the starting lineup next year, but they're still on this roster which, you know, if you've got a couple of guys who started for you a lot of games last year who are now your backups, your depth has improved there as well. It's not just that starting group. 
Okay, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Jaron Reed and what what he's going to bring um, to the Chiefs. Herbie, let's let's break him down. Uh, Seahawks. I remember I remember him in Alabama. Um, you know, playing uh, playing well for the Crimson Tide. Of course, everybody who wears an Alabama uniform plays well. But um, uh, one year deal, uh, seven million dollars, up to seven million dollars. What, what's he going to bring to the Chiefs? Well, here's the interesting thing. He actually took a pay cut to come here. I mean, his, if he had signed there with the Seahawks, I think it would have been like a million more. But what's fascinating about him is you've got a traditional defensive tackle in the 4-3 base defense. Uh, he's got 19 and a half, or excuse me, 19 sacks over the last three seasons. Uh, you pair him up there with Chris Jones, now all of a sudden you give defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo some flexibility. And what's probably going to end up happening here is because Sam and I often – actually believe pass rusher is still on the menu, but with Reed, you get a lot of opportunities here, depending on the base that you're running to move Chris Jones outside. That way you'll have Frank Clark and maybe Chris Jones lining up opposite of each other as pass rushers. But Reed gives you that presence inside because now you have a guy who can also wreak havoc up the middle, which is, as we know, is Chris Jones's forte, but Chris Jones entered the league as a pass rusher which was then um, Bob Sutton's 3-4 base. So he gives them a lot of interesting options there for Spagnuolo's defense. Yeah, I mean, this was a a defense that I I thought they took a step back in 2020 specifically because of their pass rush. They dropped to 19th in sacks. And, you know, when when you looked at the problems and and tried to diagnose it, Chris Jones got way too much attention from opposing offenses, and they didn't have the, the supporting cast around him do enough because of that. So I just naturally thought if you can get some help on the edge, maybe that doesn't happen to Chris Jones as much. And instead they get an interior defensive lineman. So I, I like the move because I think maybe Chris Jones sees some one on, more one-on-one matchups and he's really good at winning one-on-one matchups. Um, and, you know, the, the, the other thing is the guy's also a long-time former, or at least at what was a, a couple-year overlap with Frank Clark. Um, and chemistry on the defensive line does does matter. So I think it's a it's a pretty good move for the Chiefs, especially at, at the price tag they got him. You know, when I think about when the Chiefs, their philosophy in adding players, I always think first, okay, how's it going to help Patrick Mahomes, right? What's what do we do to um, to to help him along? But I think in this case, it was it's fair and inappropriate to say what have the Chiefs done to help Chris Jones. And this act, this signing does that. Um, whether he stays inside, you know, he he played, you know, outside linebacker in the in the old uh, the, the old three four Bob Sutton three four, and he set the he set an NFL record for sacks in eleven consecutive games. He knows how to get to the quarterback. He just wasn't able to do it because, as you guys said, he was double teamed a lot and moved him inside. So you know, he you want to think he's got the ability to approach Aaron Donald type of production, but it's just, you know, he found it difficult last year. I think this signing does help him. I think we'll see his numbers improve next year because of this. That's a good point there when you bring up Aaron Donald, because think about it when the Rams, uh, when they had Aaron Donald paired with Indomitian Sue in the middle of that defense, and that defense was just incredible. So, you know, if they do decide to keep him inside, that's good luck to the opposing quarterback with those two. So uh, let's stay on the defensive line, and, and, uh, and see the Chiefs have lost a couple of uh, uh, players to free agency, including Tano Passanio to the New Orleans Saints. Um, 
Herbie, I don't want a Saints scouting report on the, <laughs> on, the, on the defensive line, but um, drink. <laughs> that's, that's the first time on this podcast that somebody's brought up the Saints and it hasn't been Herbie. <laughs> Herbie, of course, knows the Saints really, really, really well. So um, I don't know. I, he's a guy. I remember when he was drafted, Herbie, that. Uh, there was excitement about him just because of his stature, right? His physical stature. And, you know, he came from Villanova, so didn't have the competition, but he would be molded into uh, a stud. And he, listen, he wasn't unproductive, but it just never turned out the way we thought it was going to turn out. Does that see it that way? I, I would, I think that's a fair assessment. Remember, when he was drafted in college, he played in the 4 3. But when he was drafted, Obviously, going back to Sutton, he started out in the 3-4. And then when Spagnuolo shifted it back to a 4-3 in 2019, passing those numbers all of a sudden went up. Last year, his numbers took a dive uh, compared to his breakout year in his third season. But, you know, I, I think, if anything, the Chiefs had themselves covered at defensive end as far as death for death purposes with Taco Charlton returning. Now, I, I will say this about the Saints. They've had their eye on passing, you know, going back to the 2017 NFL draft. Uh, they were very interested in him. Their defensive line coach, Ryan Nielsen, was the one who did the private workout at Villanova. So they certainly knew about him. And the source told me that the Chiefs did make a run at keeping passing, you know, here in Kansas City. But his opportunity to go play for the Saints and to work with Ryan Nielsen was what sold him to go ahead and sign in New Orleans. Yeah, I mean, Passanio had an opportunity last year, especially after Alex Okafor went down, to, to take a step forward, and especially in a contract year, to try and get paid. Yeah, I mean, he, he, got a, he got a larger number from the Saints than I thought he would get this year in free agency because his production last year didn't match the opportunity that, that he received. How about this little nugget? Um, with with Passanio leaving, there's only one member of the 2017 draft class remaining on the Chiefs roster – and it's still the greatest draft class of all time <laughs> because that one was Patrick Mahomes. But uh, everybody, Kareem Hunt, uh, Aligwe, I uh, uh, forgot who the other were. I think there were only five in that class, um, but one of them was Patrick Mahomes. So still not, not a great track record um, to, to lose, you know, whatever it is, four out of five or five out of six from, from a draft class that's so recent. Um, I think we can look back and say after Mahomes, listen, Kareem Hunt was in that class. He was, um, yeah. he was, he was the rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year that year. It just didn't, you know, for other reasons, didn't work out for him. So Kareem Hunt uh, was be a starter. If uh, the, 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 the talent observation was there with Kareem Hunt. Yes. Yes, it was. Okay. And we haven't talked since, um, since Sammy Watkins signed with the, uh, with the Baltimore Ravens, uh, this, this was inevitable, wasn't it? Uh, we didn't think the Chiefs were terribly interested in bringing back Sammy Watkins. He, he will be remembered for um, some, some when he was healthy, some really good productivity here. It just, he just wasn't on the field enough. And I think the Ravens are going to learn that pretty soon. They're, they're going to learn all about, all about his hamstring uh, next season. Calf, calf too. Don't forget the calf. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, but really, though, that play against Richard Sherman uh, in the Super Bowl, you know, that will, will, I think, forever be Sammy Watkins' top memory in the NFL. He said that last training camp that, you know, friends still talk about that all the time. He planned on getting that 
picture framed where he beats Richard Sherman off the edge on, on the go-ahead touchdown drive. Um, but you're right, Blair. I mean, the, the, he, he sort of offered you these teases of what he could do, and they never got it over a consistent basis from here. They got it during the Super Bowl run, that, that three-playoff you know playoff game stretch where he was really, really good. In fact, he was their most reliable receiver during the Super Bowl run. So um, very valuable on that team, but otherwise, you know, you, you can't do much uh, just from, from the sideline watching the game. And that's, that's what we saw way too much of with Sammy Watkins. What does it mean for the position? How does, um, who slides up? How do you project um, the, the position uh, in, in 2021 uh, with, you know, with who's remaining and are all the wide receivers the Chiefs are going to use in 2021 on the roster right now? What do you think, Kirby? Hey, when you ask who steps up, let's stay local and go with the great K-Stater, Byron Pringle. I think this is his opportunity. You know, when, when Brett Veach on March the 1st told us um, we're excited about Pringle's opportunities and his potential in this offense, that, that kind of like raises your eyebrows because, Blair, I know you've been saying you wanted to see more of Pringle, and I think we're actually going to see him. Demarcus Robinson, when his return on a one-year deal shortly before Watkins signed up, clearly sealed his fate. Uh, but for a guy whose who's opportunity is now, it's, it's Byron Pringle. Yeah, I, I still think, you know, to answer the other part of your question, Blair, that there's we're going to have another receiver in Kansas City before training camp. And whether that's through the draft or through free agency, you know, it's getting late, like Harvey said earlier, in the free agency period to be checking off these boxes. So it is a little bit of a deeper wide receiver class, not quite as deep as last year. But, you know, there are some guys that could get. Um, I just think they have too many other needs, and we'll 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 see with with Herbie's mock drafts. But I, I think they're going to have to go with an offensive tackle. So if they want a receiver, I don't think that they can get one in that first round just because they have some other needs there. You also have the other K Stater on the on the Chiefs offseason roster. I just wanted to point that out, KC local native guy uh, Dalton Schoen. So hey, you might see two Wildcats on the field at the same time. A good possession uh, receiver, Dalton Schoen. Um... Good hands on, on him. Uh, the, I tell you, K-State certainly could have used him last season, that's for sure. Well, we uh, know him here, Herbie, as a former scholar-athlete winner, Dalton Schoen. <laughs> um, okay, guys, let, let's take a break, uh, and uh, we'll, we'll come back and talk about the, the NFL adding a regular season game. Okay, we're back with Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell, who covered the Chiefs for the Star, and – not insignificant news from the NFL. They made it official. It had been talked about for, uh, for a long time. But the NFL is going to have a 17th regular season game for 2021. Um, Sam McDowell, you wrote, you wrote all about it. Uh, there's a, a big, a nice Q&A in this morning's uh, print editions of the Star, and it's online, of course, too. But let, let's just go nuts and bolts first. Um, you know, 17th game, does that, does that elongate the regular season? Will there be a second bye week? And, um, and who are the Chiefs going to play in that 17th game? Yeah, so they, they kind of did it in the simplest form, which is the season still kicks off when it does, but there's just going to be one added week, and it's going to be week 18 with just that game. There's no extra bye week. So you're going to see this regular season end in the second Sunday in January now, and you're going to see the, the Super Bowl also in the second weekend in February. So, um, you know, it, it, 
I mean, for us as writers, it's, it's great to be covering an extra regular season game as opposed to a, that, that fourth preseason game. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's some concerns about player safety uh, mm-hmm. with the players, and it was a big contentious debate. You know, this was during the CBA negotiations. And the reason I bring that up is because the, the players had to approve this, even though the league owners voted on it yesterday, the players had to approve it, and they did so by allowing it and as part of their negotiations last March during the CBA. So what's going to happen is you're going to play the team from the opposite conference that you played two years earlier. Um, Cause obviously you play one entire division from the opposite conference. You, the, the, the division you played two years earlier and you match up based on where you finished in the standing. So first place, first, first place, second place for second place. That means Aaron Rodgers and, and the green Bay Packers are going to be coming to Arrowhead and in, in 2021. So an extra game there. Um, it's probably a, a pretty good one, especially for, for primetime TV. And all the a- that's the other element of this is all the AFC teams get to host this year. We're going to see all the NFC teams host that, that ninth home game next year. So I think that's a smart idea because it, it keeps it balanced with the conferences a little bit. Um, but obviously, you know, the first place teams already had a tougher schedule because you, you play the extra AFC first place teams and, the balance of the schedule got a, a little less balanced with, with this move. I've always been a, a fan of NFL scheduling. It's just, I, I love the, um, for lack of a better term, the symmetry of it. Um, it it's part of what, uh, to me, it's part of what makes the NFL great in that, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it makes the NFL such an equal opportunity league, Right. Um, the, the, the scheduling, uh, it's more difficult for the teams that had success the previous year. So that gives the teams that didn't have success a better chance, just like the draft, right? The inverse of the draft where, you know, the worst teams get to pick the best players. Everything in the NFL is created for equal, the opportunity for equal opportunity. Um, and uh, this, this kind of messes with the symmetry a little bit. So the Chiefs are going to have nine regular season home games next year. And, eight on the road, um, and, and, and then vice versa the next year. Um, before, before we get Herbie's thoughts on it, Sam, what do, how, do, how do international games factor in? I, when I heard this originally, I thought, well, this is actually a great opportunity for the NFL to, to take, you know, 15 games, or how many was it, 16, regu- uh, 16 games and, and put them all, all over the globe and yeah. that way everybody would have eight and eight and then one neutral field game. But that's not, that's not how it's going to work. No, they say up to four um, international games per year. Um, and, you know, I actually thought there was a little bit of a typo on the release because they say every team will play uh, one international game every eight years. And what I think they mean is every team will actually play one of their home games internationally every eight years because that's the way the math works. Is, um, but it doesn't, it doesn't have a limit on the amount of uh, road games you play. And so I do wonder with the Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, if they're going to be a little bit more of a draw. We saw them go to Mexico City in 2019 um, and play the Chargers. Uh, but there's also a couple new sites on those international games, too. You know, we, we saw Germany, which I know has been played for before, but not it's not one part of the regular rotation. Uh, we saw Canada and uh, and South America. And I think more specifically, Brazil is, is going to be a possibility. So. Um, this is may- maybe something for, 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 to talk about, but I wonder if there's other spots in the U S that, that, you know, they might consider wanting to play. I've always thought that St. Louis might be a decent spot for the chiefs to, to try and grab that market. So, um, 
but but they're specifically focused on the international market, it seems. Yeah, what do you make of it, Herbie? Hey, nine home games at GEHA Field at Arrowhead Stadium. You know, it's, it's time to get the, time to get that field rocking for fans. If anything, fans love it. Okay, it, obviously, fans love the extra game. I, I think Sam nailed it yesterday. I couldn't help but chuckle when I saw his tweet. The NFL adds a 17th game to ensure player safety is not a point I expected to read today via our colleague there, Sam McDowell. I actually laughed about it and retweeted it. But this was inevitable. We knew it was coming. The owners wanted it. Uh, I don't uh, It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, though. It, it really is. But I think when you do away with the fourth preseason game, it's, it's still going to feel like a full season to me. How, how do you think teams will, will work that third preseason game? Or how will, like, let's just take the Chiefs and Pat, let's just take Patrick Mahomes. What what are what will be his series breakdown in three? You know, will he play one or two in the first one? More, maybe a little bit more in the second one, and none at all in the third. How do you think? Yeah, and I think what's probably going to end up happening is you're going to see teams shift their philosophy when it comes to the to the preseason because that third exhibition game is typically when you see starters go into the third quarter because that's your quote dress rehearsal end quote. So I think if anything. That second game now all of a sudden becomes that dress rehearsal. And then that third game is where you start to see the guys who are on the bubble. Let's give them some live action. Let's see what they can do before the roster trimming process begins. You know, that's a scenario that makes sense to me. Yeah, I, th- I think you're going to see teams handle that differently because the, the first three preseason games are still going to be around the same time. And so there's just going to be an extra bye week between the preseason and the regular season. So it's not like you necessarily have to protect those guys to give them that, that bye, um, you know, that, that you, you give them the fourth preseason game off so they get some extra time before week one. That extra time is still going to be built into the schedule. Um, so you could still play it the same with the third preseason game, but obviously you would see those uh, roster bubble guys less in action. Um, but the, the timing of this is really interesting because they were going to do this regardless. But the fact that this is all coming off of a year where they had zero preseason games, it's probably going to seem, you know, like a little bit of an easier adjustment. You know, I mean, if they just stripped away a preseason game, I think the coaches would gripe about that. But right now we're getting three more than we got last year. I didn't realize that's something I didn't realize, Sam, you bring it up that the timing of the beginning of the season, you're right. The NFL is going to start. The NFL has, wants nothing to do with Labor Day weekend, right? Uh, they, the TV ratings aren't great that weekend, and I happen to love it just because it, it has it, the colleges have the weekend to themselves, and that's sort of the traditional opening weekend for college football. But if if uh, so, if three preseason games are played, and the preseason schedule ends the third week in August, and the you know, and then the four, the first NFL game isn't until the weekend after uh, Labor Day, you've added a week off in, you know, from end of preseason to the beginning of the regular season. And that does change the dynamic, I would think, a little bit and could play with the, um, the, the notions that teams have about playing their, you know, uh, you know the getting guys on tape games or the, that Andy Reid likes to call it. Yeah, I mean, if you give Patrick Mahomes just snaps in the first two preseason games to give him the third preseason game off that, that's a lot of time off I mean the whole point is to, to keep the guy fresh with game action and um, but he, I, I 
I don't know that we'll see starters completely rest in that third preseason game. But I, like I said, I, I think every team's going to handle it differently. I also think the NFL is going to play with the system a little bit. You know, maybe they they think that, hey, let's push that third preseason game a little bit further back than what it's than what we're accustomed to doing. Um, I, it, it might it might take a year or two to to get the system correct. If anything, you know, to that point, uh, it gives you an opportunity to hide players that you like, you know, like because a lot of teams use that fourth preseason game before the roster cuts. And, and, you know, hey, we'll we'll bring this guy in. You know, he's getting cut. Okay, we like what he did in in that fourth game. We'll sign him. If you notice last year, you didn't see a lot of that because of because of the lack of preseason games. So what the Chiefs ended up doing was signing the people that they had in training camp because they didn't get the opportunity to see folks around the league, you know, sooner or later, they are going to have to address that because that a lot of agents, a lot of undrafted players were bemoaning the fact of not having preseason because, you know, ultimately they're the ones who got hurt. You know, they didn't have the opportunity to go to other teams because there was nothing on film. I guess one other thing to keep in mind is we, we probably know that even though the preseason schedule isn't out, that the chiefs will play one home and two on the road since they're going to have nine regular season home games. Uh, I would think that the NFL would want everybody to have 10 home games for their, you know, for their season ticket holders, whether it's one or two preseason or eight or nine regular season, it's going to add up to 10. So. And and Roger Goodell is pretty optimistic too. You know, yesterday uh, there was, I guess he held a conference call with some of the national guys, but he's saying that, you know, he, he hopes that fans will be back in full force for the stadiums. And, you know, that remains to be seen. COVID's not going, it hasn't gone away yet. So let's see what happens here. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to do my part here in about, about an hour to, to get the first, get the first shot in. So, um, so we got that. So we have to cut it off now so I can, uh, <laughs> so I can get over there. All right, guys, great conversation. And we will talk to you again soon. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Sam McDowell for stopping by and talking Chiefs in the NFL. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and, as always, on KansasCity.com. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the star's sports section online with everything that appears in print plus much, much more. Hey, after three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. What a time to subscribe. The Royals are opening the regular season on Thursday. March Madness is here. We know the Final Four. It's set, right? Baylor, Houston, Gonzaga, and UCLA. And as we know from today's podcast, it is never not Chiefs season. So how do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. Love that E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So... Whether it's a sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City 
and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Thursday with another episode.